0: G'day and welcome to The Wrap. Uh, I think this could be the fifth edition of The Wrap. Uh, We're all super excited, but I think before we start, we should probably have a little quick round-the-circle chat about what are we trying to do on The Wrap? What is the goal of this? Um, I'll throw my two cents in in first, because I think that's always good practice. Um, Here on The Wrap, we are, in my estimation, the home of uh, conspiracy theories, alternative facts, alternative news, uh, light takes, and real sports analysis. That's how I would describe us. Is that pretty fair? Hard-hitting analysis. Mm. Also,
1: real facts. Yeah. Um, I think we do about 50% news, 50% entertainment, um,
0: 20% sports, 10%, and 10% culture. 15%, the rest
2: percent, is 15% concentrated power of will.
0: <laughs> That's right, Andos. Andos. Um, Great to have Andos here today. Um, I thought we might do a quick round the table to see how everyone's going. Andos, how'd you go on basketball? You know what? I often get the question from people on the street. Um, I don't really care about the news. don't really care about Milo. Tommy can go suck eggs, so can Julian. But how did Andos' basketball go? Andos, how'd your basketball
2: go? Well, we actually had a wonderful win today. We uh, this, we were playing a team that wasn't really amazing. They were okay. They stuck around. We had to take the finger out a little bit and blow them out in the fourth. But... <laughs> Look, I had a, it was a very good game, I played well, <laughs> I'm happy about it.
0: Uh, are you going out have a few tinnies with the boys tonight, or what's the plan? I think a few it might Oprah be.
2: Well, uh, a few Ted I, I think I'm just going to have a quiet one tonight actually, to get some uh, get some work done. You know, I'm just focusing, head down, <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs up. Cool,
0: alright Andos, that's great Andos. uh how are you going Big D?
1: Oh, I've been going pretty well, um, been working doing some English coaching, reading a few good books, and I'm hoping to bring a few book reviews to the channel soon. Yeah, 100%. Looking particularly at Righteous Indignation by Andrew Breitbart and Power of One by Peter Thiel, also
0: known as the only Trump supporter in Silicon Valley. That's true. The Thiel that. Now, did you finish the, um, the other Breitbart book you were reading, the Cultural Marxism one?
1: That's Righteous Indignation. Yeah. Ah, okay, right. Okay. Yeah, I did finish it, and hopefully I'll be able to bring you a history of how Cultural Marxism came into the West, uh, came into universities, came into Hollywood and the media. Uh, so for all of you wondering how we get um, a lot of this identity politics and where a lot of this uh, madness, some would say, comes from, I'll be bringing that to you in a, some hard-hitting analysis. Uh, needless to say, some great knee-slapping jokes along the way.
0: Uh, We're all looking forward to it, because I think I can speak on behalf of everyone who's listening. Uh, We're all greatly looking forward to it. I did actually listen to an Andrew Breitbart interview the other day with the Hoover Institution. Um, Hoover Institution. R.I.P. Breitbart. R.I.P. Breitbart. Under suspicious circumstances as well. Um, Seth Rich. Shout out to Seth Rich. First of the show. Um, I was listening to an interesting one, and he was talking about the rise of the left in Hollywood and how it occurred. Um, uh, The Hoover Institute. Uh, is a Stanford-based think tank. Um, and I definitely would uh, recommend anyone who's interested in kind of really factual-based uh, alternative news to go and check out the Hoover I Institute. Think Neil Ferguson's in the Hoover Institute. Yeah, uh, um, Thomas Sowell is there as well. There your the favorite. other one, Thomas yeah, Sowell. The other yeah, one. my favourite, Thomas Sowell.
1: I think the other institute to look out for is the Cato Institute. Yeah,
0: yeah. So those are the two big boys, the Cato and the Hoover um Um. can i tell you if you spend a a night there i reckon you come out for the better all right so we're gonna we're gonna run through this because we we should be conscious of time but every time we say that we end up going for an hour and a half so um, I'm really keen to get Andos has got a massive show worth of news and current affairs, and there's nothing I like more than hearing Andos break down Tristan Thompson. So um, I don't know if Tristan gets a rap or a gig today, but I'm he hoping he does. he
2: doesn't. Takashi does. Oh, your six six Stick, Stick
0: around for Takashi. Stick around for Takashi. So, what we might uh, kick it off with is our jumping to conclusions. So, this is the segment where we say something. This is um, in light of, I guess, I'm going to say the first controversial thing on the show is uh, what a lot of boyfriends will say about their girlfriends is that they tend to jump to conclusions uh, without providing a factual basis. So and even to even kick it off, the, the Carnage House presented with the best legs on the
2: program, uh, and I was just going to give us a uh, quick jump into conclusions. Okay, my conclusion, <laughs> I appreciate the introduction, <laughs> you dog. Uh, my conclusion is that... Legs. Legs 11. The, the English subject should be more like a driving test. If you show enough competence, you should pass it and don't have to do it for your HSE. And then.
0: it <laughs> 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 was like Diagonale Leaf, you know, that scene in Harry Potter. Do you want to repeat that just to give you more clarity?
2: English, the subject at school, yes. which we all know is compulsory, should be more like a driving test. Yeah. So, like a competi- competency test, and yeah. literature should be a voluntary subject. I think that's interesting.
0: I think that is a, a runner That's, that's that, a good that, idea that, That's You've got a, a, a Foot in the foot in the door there I think that's a good chance Dukes What's yours um, Michael, By the way can we, we should uh, caveat everything Dukes is about to say By the fact he, For the last three weeks He has been <laughs> appalling With his conclusions And what Dougal tends to do Is to say something That's not even close to controversial And then rip on Everyone else's <laughs> conclusion So I'm looking forward to this My conclusion is That
1: Anthony Davis Is not going to get A max contract Anywhere except New Orleans <laughs> Look
2: it's a stupid comment. <laughs> Let's just firstly address that. The question is, our whole thing the past couple of weeks has been on free speech and giving a platform to idiots. So, look, you might have a shot there. You might have That's a shot there. That's mean, Andy. You are the most disrespectful NBA <laughs> analyst. <laughs> okay, all right. Think. So we've got to wrap this up. And yeah. us, wait, we, what's we, yours?
0: Ah, sure. I would say that uh, my, mine is that uh, there's often a lot of chat about who's going to be the next James Bond. I've got a candidate. It should be Alex Jones.
2: You think you're pretty funny, don't you? I think, you think it you're pretty be funny. Alex Jones. Does this might work? <laughs> Tough crowd.
0: Um, who are we
2: look? Yeah. What do you think, Deuce? What do you think?
1: Oh, I think I've got the best conclusion. You don't have the best conclusion, you got the least controversial. What, do you really Yet think it's it least controversial? It's the
2: least controversial because you have no legs to stand on. In I, think I absolutely to do,
1: i got the stats in front of me, and I'm prepared to um, defend it. Prepared to defend it, and I think I'll make a convincing case.
0: Okay. Okay, alright. Look, we'll give it to you then, mate. We'll give I'll give it, it to him. Uh, it's a typical Dougal conclusion, but
2: he Dougal. gets a run. Thinking, get a run. Thinking he's taking some hot take, which is just <laughs> stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Nobody wants to do English as a compulsory
0: subject so but changing to a competi- anyway, competent any i digress you should on the wrap. what we'd like to do is a domestic story an international story and then of course a splattering as i like to say of everyone's favorite segment beta male of the week um, and we should also uh make a mention of the fact that beta male is not exclusively male anymore and I'm actually almost tempted to expand that even further and give it to institutions. So, um. Institutional
1: identification, inst- I think we can call it.
0: Institutional identities. Um, institutional I don't Institutional fluidity. Well, that's fair and fairness. If a gender has no biological constraints, then you, you would assume that it could take some kind of institutional form. You could. There's no real logical reason why it couldn't. Um, throw it to the viewers, see what they think about that. Could you identify as the ABC if you wanted? I mean... Or the ASX. My, my funniest...
1: But I identify like as George Soros.
0: And get his bank account details.
2: Identify as an Apache helicopter. That's the classic one.
0: That's a cliche. That's a cliche.
2: That's, a cliche. That's been overused. That's why um, I it's classic. Okay, but we're going to kick it off with... a uh, idiot. <laughs>
0: we're going to kick it off with the domestic story. and uh, I, I mean, a lot of people might think you, all you guys talk about is free speech. Um, but I think other people should, I guess, uh, identify the irony in that statement as well.
1: I think before we get into the the meat and veggies of this, uh, the meat and potatoes of this <laughs> issue, uh, we should um, preface the free speech issue with showing our t-shirts. That's correct. Alex, Andy um, didn't quite make it to the free Julian Assange rally. I know our best supporters will have, you know, check, checked out our vlog on YouTube. It was actually a great vlog. Editing, it's a mixture and of brought to you content by and Alex. clarity. And... <clears throat> One of the reasons it was so interesting is that we would find ourselves naturally leaning towards, at least Alex and I probably, towards a classical liberal political perspective, which means kind of a small government, free speech, kind of government gets out of your way, kind of out of the boardroom, out of the bedroom kind of uh, type of scenario. Um, But what we found is that the only people sticking up for um, out of the bedroom, out of the boardroom uh, in relation to Julian Assange was. The the Socialist Equality Party The SEP And um, so they hosted a rally for Julian Assange We went, support the Socialist Equality Party Because they're the people putting in the hard yards for Julian And we found ourselves with Bright red t-shirts with Socialist Equity Party Written on them And if they're the ones that are going to protect free speech Then so be it
0: Yeah, look, it it was interesting That they were the ones taking the stance Considering, um, I guess Socialism history of not exactly respecting free speech um but if this is the new hip trendy face of the socialists then i'm happy to give them the time of day um we should recognize the fact that it was i have saying that but we should recognize the fact
2: alex we should recognize the fact cameron well this is why we go over by so much <laughs> time because we say stupid comments continue alex i'm sorry for that interruption from Dougal. you've
0: you've set him off today i don't you're in the <laughs> Um, yes, we should recognise the fact that it was not the major, liber- the major parties of the uh, Australian domestic political scene that were uh, the ones advocating for Julian Assange's rights. It wasn't even the Labour Party. The Labour Party, who are apparently the big champions of uh, people in asylum and detention, uh, were not there. Um, it was essentially the big benefactors of big government that really didn't want Julian to get out of the Ecuadorian embassy. So, uh, big rap to the, uh, the SEPs as we like to call check out the vlog as well if you want to meet some of the characters there there were some characters but what's the famous guy who we met John Pilger John Pilger and John Pilger actually had a great point Um, an interesting point as well about the role of intersectional feminism and Julian Assange do you remember that Dukes? Uh, can you remind me? he made the point that Julie Bishop who wants to act as a uh, kind of this big champion for feminism and for women is the one who isn't really doing much for the case of Julian Assange who is exposing a bunch of democratic uh, sorry a bunch of governmental impositions on the rights of sovereign nations particularly um, in kind of Iraq mm. it wasn't, um, oh
1: yeah it wasn't didn't really have a care in the world for the widows and the daughters yeah, and the wives. Yeah, that's right. All that
0: she couldn't give a stuff about those women. Uh, but she's uh, super offended by the lack of MPs at a federal level in government. And I thought that was an interesting take. I obviously John Pilger is not explicitly associated with Socialist Equality Party, but I was. You know, I or, would you would think that it would kind of be potentially if mm-hmm. this is the new face of the party uh, consistent across their platform. We'll see anyway. So domestic story. Domestic story. Uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, your boy, uh, with the black husband, um, pretty much ticking all the boxes, uh, has now been what looks like um, there has been a reversal from Immigration Minister David Coleman regarding the visa status Of Milo, so So this is unconfirmed. Unconfirmed, but we should give
1: them. We should tell, say the story because we haven't we haven't had a we haven't given the lead up. We haven't given the lead up to the story. Those you guys might have seen if you follow us on Instagram. Go check us out on Carnage House Productions Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Um, We we did an Instagram story where I broke down a little bit of what had happened. So you might have seen us talk a little bit about the Milo situation there. But for those of you who didn't. Milo Yiannopoulos is a British political commentator, really rose to fame, I'd say, 20, 2015. Probably 2015, maybe in 2014, the, the, 2016. His yeah. um, rose
0: came, uh, coincided with the rise of, I guess, hyper-PC culture, poli- poli- uh, particularly on campus. Sure. As well
2: as skyrocketing when he was backing the Donald, especially sure. as a, as a um, gay Jew. Gays for Trump. Sure,
1: and so Milo is naturally controversial, uh, but this is... Uh, You need to understand this to understand Milo. Milo only exists because of the culture and the context that surrounds him. So Milo wouldn't be effective, wouldn't be famous, wouldn't be looked up to, wouldn't be listened to uh, if the points he made um, didn't spark such outrage by a group of people in the media, in Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. The only reason Milo is famous is not actually because of his content, it's actually because of the reaction to his content uh, which is in itself a proof of his original content. So that might sound confusing, but what I mean is that when Milo comes and says, hey, there is no wage gap, for instance, uh, instead of the feminists coming at Milo and saying, uh, you know, you're a, a male and you just have this perspective because you're a male and, and pulling out these intersectional identity cards, what Milo was able to realize was that his gayness trumps the woman's femaleness in this intersectional oppression olympics identity hierarchy so what that meant was that he could have a debate on that with the feminists uh, and feminists were were outraged all around the world by someone actually challenging them on on the facts and so milo's rise to fame was only really uh when newspaper like Uh, media outlets and newspapers started saying how horrible is this guy but they didn't really have an angle on him because he was gay and that was kind of the funny part of it uh milo then further rose to fame after he got banned from twitter Mm. he first of all he had his blue check mark removed then got banned from twitter um and he previously probably one or two years ago did an australian tour very successful attracted some protesters uh, and then in the most recent week, uh, Milo's planned second Australian tour uh, was cancelled because... Um, as far as where it was cancelled, because Milo's visa application was rejected by the Australian government on the grounds of character. Now, Alex is saying he's seen on Twitter... I haven't seen it published yeah. officially yet. There's whispers that... Immigration Minister David Coleman, who we gave a beta mail of the ward nomination to a week or two ago, uh, was going to step in personally and grant the visa. We don't know if that's 100% true. It's kind of uh, the is developing as we're recording the podcast. Uh, but we're hoping and praying that that's what, what happens.
0: Uh, the first thing I would say is that whilst I, I agree almost entirely with your uh, characterisation of Milo's... Uh, rise to prominence. I would also say that whilst it was largely the context that did catapult him to such stratospheric heights um, the other essential ingredient was yes he was flamboyant and yes he was also a provocateur but he was also extraordinarily articulate. He is um, I have seen few people been able to um, deliver a point with a mixture of that kind of flamboyance but also factual accuracy and logical coherence as Milo Milo is extraordinarily good at, at, at articulating a point. And it's kind of, you have this weird kind of um, juxtaposition where it's like he will turn up in almost like a drag outfit and then just absolutely rip through in the most articulate, pristine British accents, uh, the gender pay gap or police violence. Um, but you're exactly right, Dukes. Uh, David Coleman, the, the reports from Sky News and The Australian are suggesting that David Coleman, Australia's immigration minister, may step in personally to grant Milo Yiannopoulos a visa. Now, so there has been considerable um, slapback from a bunch of conservatives, particularly those uh, Corey Bernardi and Pauline Hanson have both been on the record saying that it's an absolute disgrace that it was even considered to be rejected in the first place. Sky News hosts. Sky News. uh, Bolt and I think Rowan Dean and co. Bolt and Dean had a say. Um, Now, if... David Coleman was absolutely on top of this list for another beta male nomination up until these reports came out. Up until which is about an hour ago. Up until about a couple of hours ago. Um, but uh, an important uh, fact in this case is that Milo allegedly, well he does, he owes a $50,000 uh, bill to Victorian police after riots occurred during his 2017 speaking tour. And so now, he is liable
1: to the damages that protesters were causing
0: or... Yeah. So well it's the police bill for security, basically. That's that's what, what it's for. It's fifty grand to get the coppers out because these Antifa thugs turn up in masks and mm-hmm. uh, all the gear with uh, rocks and knives and stuff and Milo mm-hmm. is the bike and bike and Milo is the one who has to pay the bill. Doesn't mm-hmm. really make sense, but that's Victoria, the Socialist Republic of Victoria as we mm-hmm. might refer to them. So,
1: it so looks, it's a nice tactic for, for Antifa in the left. Yeah. If you can generate enough belief that there's going to be significant violence, it'll just make the the speaking tour that much more expensive and harder to do. So it's almost an incentive to be violent.
0: Oh, but it's not only that. It's the more violent you get, the more the less likely they're gonna they're gonna be able to come and speak. Yeah. Um. And so the, I mean, the, the fundamental question we have to ask if we're going to look at this uh, properly is well. Who is responsible for the actions of those around them? Is it the person who's actually talking and is not actually directly inciting those people to violence? Or is it the person who's organising those people in advance to turn up with uh, rocks and knives to a protest to pretty much uh, have a big fat crack at a conservative gay guy? And I reckon that's probably Antifa in this case. And the Australian government, uh, well, the Victorian state government, if they had any cojones at all, would actually recognise that. But of course, what is truth in postmodernist mm-hmm. Victoria?
1: Need a few strong people to stand up. There's a few Victorian males who's, ball Who tri- down the hill.
0: Well, they need to do a few chin-ups down there. I think that's so uh, and take some super male vitality. Take set some BDE. Get some BDE. Um, but this obviously this speaks to a more broad uh, debate going on, which is whether or not. Uh, hate speech should be grounds on which you can accept or deny someone's visa um, and we've covered this prior um, but Milo said that there was a, an Islamic hate pe- preacher who came on mm-hmm. had no dramas sure. getting a visa sure they come on talk about like 9-11 didn't happen all this stuff Milo
1: comes on and says the wage gap doesn't the exist. wage gap's not real and then um, you know all hell breaks
0: loose all hell breaks loose Um even even if you don't agree with Milo, this I think this is our point. Even if you don't agree with Milo, you have to understand that it may be someone you do agree with next time, basically.
1: Yeah, in the same way we defended David Icke a week or two ago. The, the, lizard rep, the reptilian <laughs> lizard man. The holocaust denier. Just let them all in. Now, the question of <clears throat> will we let absolutely everyone in? Let's say a, an ISIS recruiter came in to Australia. Would we be happy to let... Him in. Let's say he was doing a mosque tour.
0: Um. I would probably say no. Why? Uh, if there were well, if the outcome is a direct incitement to violence, and they have a previous record of a direct incitement to violence, I would say no.
2: Okay. What do you do? It? What do you think? Um,
1: don't know. I suppose incitement to violence is. Uh, that's
0: the, that's the only caveat to free speech, right? That's the um. That's what John Stuart Mill said. It's a direct incitement to violence.
1: And I think you can't yell fire in a crowd of movie theatre, right? Yeah. So there are a few limits on free speech.
0: Um, when it's. And, and like, you can take it to its uh, maximal possible extent, but um, there are limits to free speech in kind of the same way that there are limits to your actions. Uh, you can do pretty much. You know, I think there's. The extent to which is different, um, but like you know, you can uh, as long as you don't endanger uh, someone else's safety. Um, I think. But
2: that's that by itself is hard. To that's there right. That's a the leftist area.
1: argument anyway. The leftist argument is that Milo Cummings endangering like trans people's safety, which I don't think is true. But that's the argument.
0: Yeah, but obviously that there are. Uh, Reasonable levels of application in terms of safety. And like, there are obviously reasonable ones. So, you can't physically hurt someone. Like, that's.
1: I reckon we probably let ISIS in, I have to say. There's a hate preacher that wants to come. If you can, Steve, you can convert someone to go and join ISIS. Let him go. Um, but maybe, I don't know, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. i take that back, actually, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's one we have to work out, I think. One yeah, to
0: yeah, work yeah. One. I, so, so, obviously, it's like... we It's hypocritical of us to say we're pro-free speech, but then someone we don't like can't come in, yeah? But when you understand that the basis of the ISIS ideology is a, literally a direct incitement to violence, that is what their ideology is, then I would say, yes, that's that's the limit.
2: So we wouldn't have, like, neo-Nazis coming in and... Like, like if someone said, uh, let's... Recreate the Third Reich or something like that, and came on a recruiting tour. We, would we let them in? I would say no. Okay, just because we, yeah, we need it. If we're gonna have this, we need, like it has to be down to consistency. I think. Okay, but
0: if their if their doctrine was the third the the Third Reich, because if you talk about the Third Reich, you take the Third Reich in totality, correct? Yeah. That is a, an ethno state. Uh, with which, with the total uh, "Eradication of the Jews," correct, and there are Jews here. Yeah. So that would be, in my estimation, if they were planning to practice the exact same uh, ideology, if they actually wanted to implement the Third Reich, there's no way to do that without violence.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was an the American Supreme Court justice. Can't remember whose name was. She said, um, "Your freedom to move your fist and at my face." yeah um which i think is like a good general rule and there's obviously going to be a few gray areas around where um, freedom of action and freedom of speech are i think what we would say what i would say is that there are going to be some contentious issues but we should be very 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 careful on any situation in which we choose to deviate away from freedom of speech Um, that's what I would say we should be very very careful Um, and I think uh, you should generally trust the Australian people and I think you should generally allow people to speak
0: yeah the ISIS recruit is a tough one it's a tough one well it's the same thing
1: for Twitter for Twitter um, banning Twitter verification like that's a say okay well we don't want ISIS recruiters on Twitter well then we have to draw the line somewhere
0: yeah like I think it, it, also the devil is in the detail the devil is in the detail with these things I think because obviously there's no way to really know what they're going to say until they're here mm-hmm. right and it's difficult to say well they're, a direct, they're going to directly incite violence without them being here and saying and seeing it actually happen mm. um
2: you assume as well that if someone was an isis recruiter or like a nazi someone coming into the country like that that'd be probably like already have criminal convictions or be wanted in other countries because of the like i don't know like, but let's know. just say no
0: no criminal convictions, no previous... I mean, I think we do
1: let, like, we'd let communist people in.
0: Yeah, well, this is the, this is the thing, like, um, you, you talk about by the numbers. Uh, Estimates say that anywhere from kind of 80 to 100 million people died directly under socialism in the 20th century. Mm. We say, well, is that any more extreme if you go purely by the numbers than someone who was a, a fascist in Germany in the 1930s, early 1940s? Mm. It'd be difficult to argue that.
1: Mm. yeah so I think that's um, a question that we should have a think about and get back to in the next podcast maybe after I've had a bit more of a deep think about it I think we should come up with some type of cohesive way to think about free speech but I think if we were just to look at it if you look at the battleground on which free speech is fought today we would say that um, there's almost no case uh, where Censorship should be applied, but if we were to move the goalposts further along the line towards more egregious uh, speech, then we might have more of more of an issue. Um, so I think that's one to think about if we want to make uh, principal judgments. We should understand where our principle starts and where it ends. I agree. Um, but I think that we make the case with Milo and with David Ike. So far as they're not inciting anyone to violence, they should be let in.
0: I, w- I would say that along uh, in terms of the scale, these are no-brainers. Mm. These are non-contestable issues, non-contestable mm. judgments. Um, I would not e- even possibly regard these in in the same category as uh, an ISIS recruiter or someone from the third, uh, yeah. They're not even in close. They're not even close. So. Not even close. Yeah. But we should, of course, be able to find a distinction, if any. I agree. Mm. Perhaps I mean, obviously, our big thing we, we are pushing free speech pretty hard on this program, and I think. Mm. I think you're probably right. We probably need something a little bit more cohesive, but um, I think Direct incitement to Violence is a pretty good, mm-hmm. pretty good um, end point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Andy, anything to add?
2: don't think so. I think uh, we need to figure out where we stand. Yep. Figure out where we stand.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Have we finished Domestic Story, Milo's Visa? Uh,
0: yeah, so we'll keep you guys updated on any... Um,
1: philosophical developments philosophical
0: and also um, immigration related uh, bureaucratic developments mm-hmm.
1: okay cool um, now we've got in the middle of uh, international and domestic story
0: is International Women's Day Alex you want to bring us in sure um, International Women's Day uh, so that's uh, Friday the 8th of March is my favourite day of the year behind only Christmas, Boxing Day, Australia Day, New Year's, New Year's Day, day uh, April Fools, New ANZAC New Day. day. Um, I think there'd be there'd be a few more I mean, potential. Palm, My birthday and <laughs> <Austin's> <laughs> birthday, Dougal's birthday, um, and Mum's birthday. Uh, the uh, also the the day of Donald Trump's inauguration. That would be there. Um, day Donald Trump did his first deal. I reckon it would be somewhere around there after that. Um, we did a poll on Carnage House Productions and I want to get the data in front of me. Um, should there be an International Men's Day? Considering in light of the fact we do have an International Women's Day and it is a big deal.
1: We do also have an International Men's Day.
0: We do also have an International Men's Day. But the question of should there be an International Men's Day, not if there is an International Men's Day, I think is a good question. And so I've got a list of the bigots here um, who I'm going to out. Now, I'm not going to actually out them, but um, no doxing. We don't dox on this program, but I was disappointed by a few of the operators here. Um, you know who you are. Um, so, I thought we'd go through um, some of the reactions to International Women's Day because it is often a good chance for some particularly high profile people uh, in the media to put their two thoughts on how, on what. Uh, the female contribution to society is as well as um, the status of women in general so I thought we'd get a few highlights Um, Gillian Triggs of course Gillian the reptilian uh, a previous beta male nominee uh, said this International Women's Day 2019 I'm reflecting on how much farther we still have to go Despite decades of advances, we are far from equal members of the community. I worry about the impact of casualised employment. Women are enormously overrepresented in industries that give their workers the least power, such as hospitality and retail. Among all this talk of equality, women are still failing, still falling through the gaps. Um, important to remember, Gillian Triggs is on a pay packet north of 400 rubber band banks, mm-hmm. um, whilst presiding over a body which commanded more than $16 million in taxpayer funds for wages, trying to find uh, human rights in Australians. Um, she also pretty much destroyed the lives of a couple of QUT boys. Mm-hmm. Um, so, big shout out to Gillian the Reptilian. Uh, Donald Trump. Hold on, Queen, to say
1: on... Do you have a quick reaction to what Gillian was saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, Gillian... <laughs> There's too much there. Gillian, the reason why women are... More in casual employment and more in hospitality and retail, is because that's where they choose to be. They chose to be there. Okay. Now what you find, and this is the thing, it's like this data has been out out there for such a long time. It's pretty frustrating. It's frustrating that you don't damn read it. Okay. <laughs> now. It's it's not if you're they do read it. They just don't, they ignore it. If you're wondering why women are more into um. Retail and hospitality, it's, there's a simple answer to that question and that's because they like it more. They like it more. Um, if you go to India and see what profession the, the professional differences in men and women, guess what? There's hardly any. They're all in IT because that's where the jobs are. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not, the only jobs available are in IT. Now, if you go to Scandinavia, where you can basically do anything you want and there are minimal social differences, that's where you find uh, the maximum, uh, like the largest uh, disparity in occupations by gender. So you have the most women in nursing jobs and primary school teaching and the most men in STEM subjects. And guess what? When you minimize the social forces, the only force left from which people choose is biological forces and so uh this proves the age-old uh idea that men on average not all the time just on average are slightly more interested in things and women on average are slightly more interested Mm. in people and that is backed up by the psychological literature (laughs) and the the data and (laughs) all i'm going to say is that uh, on average, men—you know—you're going to get women who are slightly more. You're going to get women who are more interested in things than some men, and you're going to get men who are more interested in people than some women. But if you take—if you understand that men on average are more likely interested in things, and then you take <laughs> yeah. that to the extreme, take it to the extreme end of the spectrum, like people who are super duper duper interested in things, like engineers, like scientists, like mathematicians. Guess what? It's almost all men there because they're on the extreme. And then when you look at people women who are super interested in people, like, uh, you know, that's why all the, all the primary school teachers and nurses in Scandinavian countries
0: are women. Well, it's basic statistics uh, when you talk about bell curves and distributions, but it's fairly apparent that Gillian Triggs has no interest in statistics or distributions to, or data. Do you want to know why women are in casual employment?
1: They love going out for brunch on a Thursday with the gals. They love going and eating acai <laughs> bowls and avocado on toast. They want to go to their kids' piano recital. They don't want to go in the office writing data reports till 12 p.m. in the printing room and eating m and with the boys. That's not what they want to do. They want to be able to have this... They want to do meditation in the morning. They want to go for a swim in Bondi Beach. Like The, the women who are naturally driven to be work, like super work-focused... Like, there are quite a lot of them out there, and some are really good at what they do. They're just, on average, less work-orientated than men are. And that's probably an evolutionary thing, probably a biological thing. And whichever way you want to look at it, what we're saying is don't use that as a club to
0: beat the hell out of all the other men you don't like. Well, the problem is that women end up being losers out of this because it's obvious that these biological differences lead to differences in interest, and so you've got a situation where all these women are getting pumped into STEM subjects which they don't want to do, which means they just want to drop out and they don't want to do the thing anyway. Let them do what they want to do. Okay, so there are some obviously that um, we can get into the pay gap and all of that, um, but it's, it's still bizarre to me that these that this is still a thing, mm. isn't it? Like mm. considering how like. This thing ha- this, is- this myth has been busted. There's a video of Thomas soul busting this myth. I think it was like 40 years ago. This thing is done and dusted and it's like dead cat bounce except that it's on a trampoline. Mm-hmm. It just keeps going up. Now, I remember saying like um,
1: there was a funny, I think it was a blog post, and there was this mum who was trying really hard not to give any gender influences to the daughter. So like put her in like a neutral room, gave her like... The same amount of toys and the mother was just in absolute despair that the girl was just wanted pink things yeah. and wanted dolls to play with instead of trucks yeah. and it was like the whole world was falling down like no this can't be happening it's like sorry Darl. Um, you know there are some times when women are going to be um you know more interested in some things and men are going to be interested in some things but if you're a girl and you want to go do STEM go do it Do what, do whatever you want to do, but don't be guilt-tripped into it because you feel like you have to fight against
0: an oppressive system. Well, speaking of oppressive systems, uh, wonderful segue. uh, We've got a quote from arguably one of the most oppressive systems, in my estimation, uh, the United Nations uh, and the UN Women body. So we should also remember. I'm fairly certain that the uh, the UN has Saudi Arabia on its council, Human Rights Council, Human Mm -hmm. Rights Council and Council for Women as well. Um,
1: yeah, the the one that has only just let women drive, and the one that's also, uh, you I think it. in a pretty uh, bad war with Yemen. Yeah, which Saudi Arabia might be culpable for.
0: Yeah, but look, obviously uh, the UN doesn't like that because Saudi Arabia gives them a whole bunch of money.
1: So well, Clinton's like Saudi Arabia. The Clintons don't. love
0: Saudis. Um, Saudi
1: Arabia funded a whole lot of the Clinton, Hillary Clinton's campaign, and a whole lot of. Uh, Clinton Foundation donations, yeah. we must keep in mind.
0: Yeah, uh, well Bill loves the Saudis, because Bill just does a bit of pay for play action, goes does a speech, gets 500k or something like that from the Saudis. Anyways, uh, so UN Women, this is what they tweeted out, and this is El Clasico from the UN, and this is why I think uh, Donald Trump is right to say uh, yeah, we're not super keen on funding you guys for very much longer. Uh, happy International Women's Day to all the amazing women who resist patriarchy in solidarity, insist on gender equality, and persist in the face of adversity. So at UN, um, this is why I don't like giving you money, uh, because you make stupid statements like this. This is the type of statement you make when you've got too much money. Yeah. This is the problem when you don't actually have a problem to fix, you go looking for one. You are a hammer looking for a nail. Uh, and you're just going to smack any bug that comes through.
1: Yeah, and it's funny how all they talk about is the Patriot. They never talk about the Patriarchies in the Middle East, because that would be offensive and Islamophobic, they talk about the patriarchies in all the countries where women are doing the best, in the countries where women are the majority of university
0: students. Uh, You you wouldn't want to do a time lapse of Iran from 1960 and 1970 to uh now because yeah, you might be pretty horrified Uh by the result.
1: Yeah, it's the um, classic ivory tower academic who can only come up with this type of stuff when they look at their belly button all day and doing intellectual gymnastics to come to this sort of conclusion about the West.
0: Yeah, so uh, big shout out to UN Women um, for that tweet. Emma Watson. Emma Watson. Emma, uh, Emma so Watson, another person who's women. Who, who's been held back by the patriarchy, uh, was making millions upon millions of dollars for movies, uh, kids' movies, written by a woman, um, where she was one of the lead characters. Yeah, she'd made bank. Yeah, it must be real tough doing that, wearing designer gear to all these UN uh, events. She's cute, though. Yeah, she's attractive. Very cute. First celebrity crush, I think, was one of mine. Maybe it was, it was Hannah was... Montana then. I thought Washington. it was Daniel Radcliffe. Didn't you get it? Signed poster from Daniel Radcliffe. That's you know precious. Daniel Radcliffe.
2: Okay, it's like cool. a fragrance. Um,
0: and it's, you know, it's it's not a Carnage House production uh, without a mention of the ABC. So ABC chief Econ- e- economics correspondent. Uh, I don't know how much economics is actually going to be in this tweet, but I reckon there's going to be uh, some pseudoscience. Emma Alberici. Um, Quote, Australia has slipped from 15th to 39th of 149 countries in four measures of gender equality. We are number one in female educational achievement, but in labour force participation, advancement and pay gap, we are at 46th. So the fact that you're still mentioning the pay gap suggests to me that you know nothing about economics. Not only this... um, you're number one in educational achievement, but in labour force participation, that, all that says to me is that yeah, you guys go to uni, the girls go to uni, and they finish school, and uh, women are actually graduating more than men, about fifty-five to forty-five. Um, but then natural forces take over after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like why are we having a competition about women
1: in uh, women in the workforce? It's like women can go into the workforce if they want to. It's not a competition who can get the most women in the workforce, because you know what? Some families find it better in a mutual agreement for the woman to stay home or the woman to get casual employment. Some families find it better for men to stay home. But you know what? After the woman takes, um, you know, usually takes predominant, uh, takes leadership for the uh, child's kind of first one or two years of development, uh, the woman often feels like she might want to stay home. And that's that's not an issue. That doesn't mean uh, she's helping. um, She's contributing to women, to to Australian women losing the international women's competition. Yeah, it's just a social arrangement
0: that works. Yeah, Um, pretty funny. Uh, Not surprising that the ABC is pushing uh, not economics, but uh, what is essentially leftist propaganda again, yet again. Um, I don't mind if you're going to push this stuff, but can we please have some kind of balance? or at least don't make us pay for it. That's a better point. That's a better point. Um, so we should finish up with the Don Star. Um DT, the Beat man. Uh, Real estate developer from New York. Real estate developer from New York. Um, tweeted women's unemployment rate is down to 3.6%, was 7.9% in January 2011. Things are looking good. On International Women's Day, we honor women worldwide for their vital role in shaping and strengthening our communities, families, governments, and businesses. Good work, Gunstar. Good Good work. That's a nice, clean tweet. And a bit of facts, a bit of commentary. Now, interesting. The Women's March was a worldwide protest on January 21st, 2017, the day after the inauguration of Donald Trump. So you've got uh, a guy who's... um, I think he's got more females in his... uh, more female aides and more female uh, members in his team than any previous president. I think it was besides, like, JFK. And he's also got... uh, just I think it, you had the UN ambassador was a woman I think the new CIA director is a woman um, he loves the point the next Supreme Court justice looks like it's going to be a woman um, again if he's a misogynist he's not a very good one do you know what was hilarious was when
1: Obama came out and talked about the wage gap saying it was unacceptable to have like a 17 cents wage gap um, there was an audit of the White House um, salaries and they found that the, the wage gap in the White House was significantly more than the national average. It was like 20-something cents. Uh, and they asked Obama why it was. And he's like, oh, no, we don't discriminate here. It's like, um, you know, women are just doing different jobs and women work a few less hours. And it's like <laughs> doing all the talking points of all the people who deny the wage gap in the first place. And everyone's like... Um, yeah, every- <laughs> no, like <laughs> Obama's
0: no one- PR advisor is like... <sighs> I mean, Having his Charles, Charles Xavier moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, it's a total no-brainer, I can't believe we're still talking about this, but this is when you talk about, like, why you've got to be sceptical of government. This thing has been squashed for, like, 40 years, and government officials are still coming out and talking this absolute and garbage the easy every argument. day. Is it the same people who talk
1: about the wage gap are the same people that brag that on businesses for being, like, um, greedy corporate money bags? uh but we understand that if there was a 17 cent wage gap uh any business guy with any sense would fire all the males and hire only women uh so you can't be a greedy corporate money bags and also a misogynist who doesn't hire women at the same time or hires women to, and pays them less than what they pay a man those two things can't be held at, at the same time
0: yeah just a quick just a quick one um Men working full time were two point three times more likely than women to work sixty plus hour weeks. Five point eight percent of men worked sixty hours per week or more in twenty seventeen, compared to only two point five percent of women who worked those hours. Um. So yeah, yeah, and this is don't let don't let our statistics
1: get in the way of a good soundbite. Yeah. this reminds me of the the Senate video that came up on YouTube the other day, David, David Lynehelm. Yeah. Um. And the pay you know the girls from the women's commission came out and said. You know, we've got this terrible wage gap in Australia. Um, and David Lionhelm says, so I understand that there's um, statistics that are saying that men work much longer hours than women. Um, is that factored into your statistics? Like, oh, no, we just do annual pay. Yeah. Um, so, so then he says, well, if men are working 12-hour days and women are working eight-hour days, don't you think that should affect their pay? And the, the women's people go well, we just don't think it's right that you assume 12 hours at the desk is more productive or more valuable to pay than eight hours at the desk. Yeah, <laughs> um, It's it's ridiculous.
0: You know that uh, actually one of these uh, bodies, with, like the gender equality bodies, whoever, came up to Di- David Leinhelm, because obviously these are all taxpayer-funded uh, mm-hmm. operations, and this is the type of claptrap you get when they are taxpayer-funded, because you don't actually have to produce anything. It's like you get your money as a handout. And David Leinhelm says, so we actually have data on... Uh, Your salaries at your commission and we understand that the uh, it was like the Commission for the studies into gender inequality and because they came out with it and he goes so can you explain to me if you guys aren't able to pay men and women the same uh, if there is a gender pay gap at your place at your business how on earth do you expect (laughs) everyone else to do it yeah so we're working on it and it's just something that we're, you know, we're aiming towards anyways uh, it's a racket the whole thing's a racket okay next story
1: next story Dory
0: should we just touch on our boy touch on him we have to do it we have to I feel obligated I feel a little bit sorry for him uh, Jussie Smollett Jussie Jussie, Jussie Smollett uh, Male of the Universe uh, award winner um, has been indicted for uh, on such a voter,
2: such a voter. Six was it six? Sixteen counts of class four felony charges related <laughs> to staging an attack. Um, Duke's mentioned it before.
0: Uh, Jesse Smollett, Justice Smollett is a racist, uh, first and <laughs> foremost, uh, because you also have to remember. For whatever reason, he tried to stitch up two white guys for hanging a noose around him and pouring bleach on him, and he obviously couldn't find two white guys, so he had to find two black guys to do the job on him. But you know what? This is MAGA country. This is MAGA country. <laughs> Nobody watches Empire, particularly not Trump supporters. And no Trump supporters, white guys, walk around with MAGA hats on at 12am in Chicago uh, when there, it is pretty much a war zone there, and I guarantee you the first two people who get shot up in Chicago walk around yelling, it's MAGA country. Uh, two white guys. It's Chirac. It's Chirac. So Jussie Smollett, um, you guys should all look it up if you want to talk about uh why r- race relations might not be going so well, and mm. uh, that's a pretty good example. Mm. I think Jussie could have been a, a lot, uh, made a lot better story. I think he did himself a disservice just for doing such a bad story. Well, the problem is that they have to turn these white people into such Machiavellian, Machiavellian, uh. Like evil, like super villains yeah. that they have to throw in everything. It's like, okay, yeah. okay, so they're wearing MAGA hats. All right, what else? He pours bleach on him. What, what, okay, all right, that's not enough. What about, yeah, a noose, get a noose, get a noose. <laughs> and then they gotta be saying something. They gotta be, saying, what about, like, this is MAGA country. And also, what about some homophobic slurs? Yeah, throw some, and maybe some racist
2: stuff as well. It's like, dude, yeah. you can't have everything. It, it reminds me of when um, Mr. G in Summer Heights High goes, Welcome to the wonderful world of drama, and this is theatre, <laughs> and he's not able to even create a good piece, a good play, to have himself, like, being believed by the populace. What idiot. Start off strong-end, you tailed off there, but that's a good point, and we'll just, we might even cut that
0: last bit out of yours and just play the Mr. G clip. Thank you. Um, cool. Uh, I've got a beta... So, we've so, got, so that's a beta male nomination, because <laughs> that's converted... Um, second beta male nomination. My favorite. Your favorite. Yeah. Uh, goes to Peter. So the uh, what does Peter stand for? It's oh, environmental up. something agency.
2: Um, People for the ethical treatment of animals. animals. Yeah, that's
0: it. Close. Close. Ballpark. Um, <laughs> so so Peter decided they were going to take take a crack at probably. Uh, most One of the most widely loved people in the history of the universe. <laughs> um, I mean, you have, like, Jesus, Gandhi, uh, you maybe have, like, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, and then Steve Irwin. Is I reckon there...
1: Steve Irwin's more popular. I reckon Steve Irwin's more popular. not everyone's involved with... Not everyone loves discussing and learning about race relations, yeah. but everyone loves animals. Yeah, so... Regardless see, of whether you love them because you love them or you love to <laughs> eat them or... You just think they're cute. You, everybody everybody loves them. And you
0: know who loved animals the most? Steve Irwin. So so Peter decided uh, it was a good idea to take a crack at Animal Jesus. Um, Australian Animal Australian Jesus. Australian Animal Jesus.
1: Probably the most widely loved Australian of all time. Between him and Ziz, maybe. Him and Ziz. Ziz would be up there. Benjo
2: Patterson.
0: Benjo Patterson.
2: Cool. Maybe... Uh, Donald Bradman would be up there. Michael Bevan. Michael Bevan. Oh, I just don't think
1: people get around him as much as they get around Steve Irwin. Just everybody loves Steve Irwin so much. Or well, maybe no. maybe okay. John Ailes.
0: John Ailes. For John Ailes kicking, 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 kicking the over. goal. Yeah. So look, he's 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 in the pantheon, and he's probably Zeus. Um, and he's so on Mount Olympus. So Peter decided um, they were going to take a crack, a ping at him um, on the memorial of his death. So on the anniversary of his death, they decided it was a good time to to take a crack at him. So they tweeted, hashtag Steve Irwin was killed while harassing a ray. He dangled his baby while feeding a crocodile and wrestled wild animals who were minding their own business. Today's hashtag Google Doodle sends a dangerous fawning message. Wild animals are entitled to be left alone in their natural habitats. So as you can imagine, uh, people weren't super stoked with Peter. um, And so I want to nominate Peter for nominating the worst possible candidate to have a go at in the history of possible cracks, this is uh, Steve Irwin. Well, Steve Irwin could be the prime minister. He should be. He St- should really be on the hundred dollar bill. Steve Irwin he should be on the avocado. Steve Irwin could be the prime minister of Pakistan if you want it to be. That's how popular he is. And uh, Peter deserves everything they got coming to him. So that's my nomination for beta Bump.
2: You know what? I watched a uh, like a. Steve Irwin tribute the other night and it it made me almost tear up. I was on the verge of tearing up. Oh yeah, it, you get to tear up when you watch the, uh, the uh, remembrance stories on yeah. YouTube. And then it's it just like, my, he was asked like what's his goal in conservation? He goes, my job is complete where I'm able to pass the torch onto my kids and they are the new Steve Irwin and they are like, and at that point my job is done and I'll be so happy. And it's just, how can you hate this guy? How can you have a crack at him? Especially when he's just like on the anniversary of his death, Peter, you can go kick Can on. I tell you?
0: If, and even if the guy did wrestle with a crocodile, I guarantee you the crocodile was having fun. <laughs> if there was one bloke who would know how to have a good time <laughs> with a crocodile and like have a bit of like wrestling properly, it would be Steve Irwin. And um, yeah, so I, I have a, 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 another nomination for Bad of the Week. I don't know if. Who is it? it? Osman Faruqi. Um, so. Who, who is he? Well, he, <laughs> Osman. I'll give him. I'll look him up. Okay,
1: while you guys are doing that, I'm gonna take another international story. Yep, go. This is the Tommy Robinson update. Now, for those of you who remember on our YouTube and Facebook, Alex and I did a Tommy Robinson emergency video because Tommy was getting stitched up by the you know, San Francisco, uh, Silicon Valley corporate media giants who kicked him off Facebook and Instagram. Now, Tommy went to jail like uh, early last year, for two and a half months, uh, in he was in um, solitary confinement for two and a half months before the Court of Appeals um, realised that uh, the case which he was charged with was fundamentally flawed, and they let him off. Um, now Tommy has, as of a couple of days ago, been charged uh, again been charged again with the same crime, contempt of court, that he was uh, acquitted of last time. Now, some people might think this is double jeopardy. I've, you know, I'm not a legal expert, um, but he was, uh, he's he been charged again, and so he's going to have to appear in court in another couple of weeks to defend himself. So the Attorney General uh, and Devon MP Geoffrey Cox in Britain Decided that Tommy's case should be reheard. A statement from the Attorney General's office said Mr. Cox reached his decision based on an assessment of the evidence and said that it was in, quote, the wider public interest. Mr. Cox said, after carefully considering the details of the case, I've concluded there are strong grounds to bring fresh contempt of court proceedings against Tommy Robinson. And so not only does Mr. Cox get a beta mail of the week nomination, um, but if we understand what Tommy's contempt of court case was originally it'll give us more light to shine on why mr. Cox is such a beta. Tommy in Britain had been reporting on mass immigration into Britain for several years now Tommy had been one of the only people covering the grooming gangs uh, which were bringing up um, British girls um, training them to be gang raped uh, doing the gang rapes and then um, and it was all operating inside these Muslim communities. Now, caveat: obviously, not all Muslims are like this. Most Muslims aren't. Um, but we must understand that these grooming gangs were all from uh, these guys were all from Pakistan. Um, it was Just encouraged it. through uh, the text of uh, you know the Quran and. What I'm going to say is that, uh, so Tommy, so these guys had their trial like two years after Tommy was the only guy reporting on it. Yeah. And so eventually they went to court and Tommy was live streaming himself outside and he was, um, you know, charged with interfering with the court process. And it's called like contempt of court. And <clears throat> what I would say to Mr. Cox is that if you spent half as much time um, protecting British girls uh, you know in the theme of International Women's Day if you spent half the time trying to protect them from gang rapists um, that you spend on trying to uh, fight hate speech and guys like Tommy Robinson uh, your country would be a lot a lot safer and people would be a lot more happy with your government so yeah that's what I'm going to say to you uh, there's not much else to say except you're a bit of a lunatic uh who's pandering to um there's there's you know, a lot of words you want it. to
2: use for this guy
0: um particularly since tommy robinson is one of the only guys who's reporting on actual uh racial stuff uh you got most of the girls at these uh grooming gangs who were attacking were white um mm-hmm. there was a racial element to this there's no question about it um and if we're going to be in the interest of racism Uh, in the interest of protecting the public from uh, racism, having a slap at Tommy Robinson, well, then I think it pretty much says that Britain may well be lost. Mm. Um, It is a damning indictment on the kind of relative morality of uh, British bureaucracies and British authorities, um, even to the most local levels of government, you look mm. down it was the local police who refused to act on the several reports that these grooming gangs were operating. That yeah, Tommy was reporting on. Uh, yes. Like two years after Tommy started reporting on it that anybody acted. So you have, in my estimation, anyway, a total corruption. A the poison has gone from the fingers all the way to the heart. Um it is total it's totally vile and it's you can just see that for in the protection and the propagation of this idea of identity politics there are actual victims of this like actual real victims um and so long as we kind of sit here and pretend that there, things aren't happening um because you don't want to be labeled as racist while say there's actual racism that's occurring and it's it's not just against white people but it's it's dangerous and there are real consequences Mm -hmm. um yeah what a thug this Mm -hmm. guy is Cox yeah so he
1: gets um, he gets a pretty strong nomination Um,
0: now
2: did you want to say something to us I I just looked up who your man yeah yeah, I've got him he's the deputy editor of ABC Life
0: what what do you (laughs) know another ABC. ABC what did he say this is what he said I sent this to you before Dukes uh, an interesting quote, an interesting piece looking at the future of Australia's writers' festivals, um, From ABC. he linked abc.net.au, uh, disinvited writers, hashtag me to allegations, whatever. Then he commented on his own post to generate some publicity I assume. Quote, what stands out for me is that every major writers' festival in the country is directed by women. Then brackets awesome, but none are directed by people of colour. Quote less awesome. So pretty much, uh, if anyone uses any kind of logical deduction, what you get from Mr Osman is that uh, it's cool if it's women, it's just bad if they're white, right? Here's here's, here's the problem. Is it here's one of the problems that really <laughs> grinds
1: my gears. <laughs> You're just trying know, to piss me off. Is that um, you know this subsection of you know the broad left, which you know, the intersectional feminists, the, the, the radical feminists, as some would say, um, they take these words which sound really nice and then they give them totally different and skewed meanings um, while using them to bash other people. Like, who could be against diversity or inclusivity? They sound like nice things. Or well, who could be against
2: equality? And then
1: equality. But then they come out and they'll say, that, they'll say things like having writers' festivals which are only hosted by women is awesome for diversity. Or like, you see, I just do you guys remember that headline where it was like, Black Panther cast is hella diverse because it's 90% black. That's hella diverse. Do you know what diversity means? Diversity means when you have a multitude of things. And it's like, they've transformed the meaning of diversity from having a multitude oh, of things to, to just not white. white. Yeah. In, in the same way, you saw, oh, this is you know, crazy rich Asians with like 100% Asian cast could be like the most diverse film of all time. It's like, no, they're just Asians. (laughs) If you really want to be talking about race inclusivity, which I don't think is a particularly fruitful conversation to have, but if you want to have it, don't start flip-flopping on definitions um, and saying that all Asian or all black is like a diverse
0: diverse thing. Um, And... That's what I wanted to say. Okay, well, I might just jump in there. Um, I don't care if you want to have your all-Asian cast. I don't care if you want to have your all-black cast. I don't care if you don't want any white people on there. I don't care. But don't get up the white people when the white people have a movie with all white people <laughs> in, right? That's the that's the problem, is that they all go, Oscars are so white. The Oscars are so white. Make your own damn Oscars if you're that offended by it. And let's be honest, most of the American population is white. It's basic statistics. And you also have white people aren't good at a lot of athletic stuff okay so pretty much the arts and writing and stuff is mostly all that they've got okay that's mostly what they've got
2: i love i love how hollywood is like the bastion of inclusivity and yet still the award show for hollywood is still complained about for being too white
0: look this is this is again this is one of the problems you have when you've got too much money is that you start worrying about stuff that doesn't exist um (laughs) And Osman Faruqi, yet again, I would assume if he's working at ABC, uh, he's on the taxpayer dollar. Um, And again, uh, when you don't actually have to produce anything, the the thing about the market, right, the price mechanism, is that if you're not able to produce something of good enough quality at a particular price, you're not going to sell anything, you're going to go hungry, okay? But when you hand people out and you say, well, you can kind of do whatever you want with this money uh, to the people at ABC, they go, okay, sweet, I'm going to write about the most ridiculous thing I can and I know I'm still going to get paid for it. Um, Osman Faruqi that's a beta male nomination yet again another ABC person uh, are we seeing a trend are we biased probably um, but <laughs> do we care no <laughs> correlation doesn't equal causation we agree with that but uh, it seems to be a bit of a clustering around the mean here mm-hmm. at ABC
1: okay so a few nominations we've got Jussie we got Peter we've got Gillian Triggs Gillian Triggs Mr. Cox and Osman Osman I think we give Jussie just the eternal beta male of the universe. I think which, yeah, I which, think we should, um, but a separate but I one. I think yeah. I think he gets a separate one. He's in the beta male Mount Olympus right now, Jussie. He's on. in the Pantheon of I would nominate um, the Mount Rushmore. I would. He's on the Mount Rushmore, and yeah. I would give beta male of the week to Attorney General Mister Jeffrey Cox. Yeah, if we're happy
2: with that. Look, I pers- I'm happy to defer, but personally, just because of my love for Steve Irwin. And the collective love for Steve Irwin that we all have, I think they should get an extremely honourable mention. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they're not going to, if Peter's um, yeah, not going to take out the yeah, award. I, I, think, I think extremely. we give Peter the award and an honourable mention definitely goes to, no, we give Peter the honourable mention.
0: We give Peter and the honourable mention. Yeah, yeah, Jeffrey Cox. And Jeffrey Cox, yeah. and Jeffrey Cox, who's just a um, beta male. Who's just a total beta male.
1: Um, Alex, do you, okay. What? I was just saying you could have
0: said it out loud. Okay, he's a bitch. He's a bitch. He's
2: a... bitch. He's a massive bitch and he
0: deserves a... He's a a bitch. (laughs) bitch. He's an 8 type of bitch. A punk-ass bitch.
2: He's a bitch. Paper bitch. (laughs) Paper bitch. (laughs)
1: Free Tommy. Um, But another relevant point on Tommy is that while he was in jail, he had all these people raising money for him. Mm. And, um, you know, I think it's tens and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds. And so... Tommy, uh, via his YouTube channel, has sent his regards to all the fans who keep supporting him and looking after him, uh, and that's the money that was raised while he was in prison. Is the money he's using to both defend himself and also sue all the fake news media who were falsely reporting on him. Yeah, um,
0: go hard, take two claims, Including
1: bruv. Sunday Times, Socialist Working Party, The Guardian, and the Crowd Prosecution Service, all have. Uh, lawsuits ahead or, or a big lawsuits ahead of them and yeah, that's ripping, bro. um that's something we're happy with something they're happy with going well, take well, them, well let's just take hope that the, that the justice
0: go. system um
1: yeah well what we really want the worst case scenario would be tommy get sent to jail and get um that's killed true. by the muslims inside because that's a decent chance that will happen um and hopefully that gets taken well i think completely. that
0: was one of the reasons I had to put my um